Praise be to God. So coming back to our lesson, what do you remember from chapter 3? What did we cover? What did we cover before two weeks, chapter 3? What did we talk about? The topic was about what? Covenant. The agreement God made with humanity. And representing humanity, who did he pick? He picked Abraham. We saw that when people made agreements or covenants, they brought sacrifices, they divided into two, and they make what? A blood? A blood what? Paz. Because the blood comes two sides, so there is a blood paz. And who walks through this blood paz? The people who are making what? Agreements or covenants. But when God made a covenant with Abraham, who was the only one who walked through the blood paz? God alone. Saying what? If I forsake you, if I break this covenant, let me be broken instead of you. I will take the punishment, not you. And what do we see when Christ came on earth and walked, when he became flesh and walked in our midst? Who bore all the sins? Who bore all the curses? And who took the punishment of the Father? But wait, 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 wait. Who was unfaithful in the agreement? Excuse me? Who was unfaithful in the agreement? Human beings. So the first covenant that God made with Abraham, he fulfilled it in who? In Christ. We became unfaithful. What did God say to Abraham? If you became at any moment unfaithful in our agreement, who will be punished? I will be punished. So God became man, and then he was punished for who? Is it because he became unfaithful? Because we became unfaithful. So this is the promise he made to Abraham. Whatever happens, our covenant is never going to be broken. Whatever happens, our covenant is not going to be what? Broken. And he made that reality in Christ. How many of you get weak or sin against God in this week? How many of you have, including me when I say how many of you, don't remember, don't forget I'm there too. How many of us, let me change the word so that would be much easier. How many of us have been backbiting? How many of us have been destroying the name of someone? How many of us have been lying? How many of us have been, uh, let's say, how many of us have been trying to cheat God as if we are doing the right thing? Do you know how we do that? In front of a person, what do I do? I look good, I speak good, I act good when I am behind him. What did God say when, how do we express our love to God? How do we express our love to God? By loving your what? By loving your what? Say it please, you know the, the words. How do you express your love to God? Have any one of you found God and told him, I love you, I miss you, and hug? 
the God that we are serving? Have any one of you have done that? Then if we don't, then there must be a way that we express our love to Him. My question is, how do we do it? By loving your neighbor. By humbling ourselves to minister the one who is sitting beside us. The second thing, I would like to challenge you one thing. Then I'll go to chapter 4. We also saw that Abraham was asked to sacrifice who? If, this is the question, if Abraham knows that through his imminence or through his power, if he sacrifices who? Isaac. That if he believes that he would get it, then how is that called a sacrifice? Wasn't that your question? I have a challenge to every one of you. If you really believe that God is powerful to do enough through his power, sacrifice the best things that he loves. Let's see if it's that easy. Talking is easy, doing it's a different thing. We, know, we, we claim that God is what? Then why don't we sacrifice the things we are asked to sacrifice? Don't we all claim that God is powerful? Don't we claim that God could resurrect the dead? Don't we claim that God is good in his goodness? But when it comes the sacrifice in our lives, what do we say? God, I can do anything else except this one. Just don't take this one, but I can do anything you ask me to do. Isn't that what we do? But what did Abraham did? Knowing that Isaac came from who? From God. But do you know most of the things that we like in our lives, we're not sure if it comes from? <laughs> hmm. We don't know that the source is God, but when we are asked to sacrifice it, we hold it tight. Abraham knows it's God who gave it to him. Yet when God asked him, he was fit enough to sacrifice, bold enough to do it, not knowing whether God will give him again or not. He knows his ability, but he doesn't know his will. So this is my challenge to each and every one of you. We are learning about a covenant and a sacrifice. If we want to continue in the covenant of Christ that God has given us through Christ, I would like to challenge you to sacrifice things that you like if you trust God that he's a God of resurrection. Do it. Most of the time we say it's God's will. That's why we don't sacrifice, yeah? Isn't Isaac God's will? And who did he sacrifice? What did he sacrifice? God's will. But most of the time we say what? This is God's will. It shouldn't go anywhere. It's good. It has all its place. Sacrifice it. If God is willing it, he'll give you again, but in any form. But what does it show your sacrifice? It shows your availability. It shows what? Your availability. Is it ministry? Sacrifice it. Is it a good thing that you claim to have? 
Sacrifice it. Is it your pleasure? Sacrifice it. Now, if we sacrifice the things that we know it's God's will, how much more do you think we should sacrifice things that we know it's not His will? How much more? Think of things that we do, things that we claim, things that we get attached to in our lives. How much more do you think we should sacrifice them? But it's fun, I know. When, 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 when was sin not fun? Tell me, when was sin not fun? Isn't it through the sin that Eve was able to open her eyes, which was not, which she was not what? Aware from the very beginning. Awareness of your surrounding comes when you step into what? The sin world. Did you hear me what I said? When you are in God's presence, it's only God and God alone that you see and you're not aware of anything else. The moment we step into the realm of sin, we see the trash of someone, we see the evilness of the other one, and we see the fault of the other one. What we don't know is, in seeing all those things, you are saying, I am part of that. Because you see it. If you can see it, it means what? Let me give you a simple example. Malkum ma bitkallamu ma'ay? Kallamun min Arabi. Man, kallamun Arabi. Ma daira kallam Englishi wa Amharic wa Tigrinya. Ana daira kallam Arabi. Kallamni ana kallamtu in Arabi. Gulti shayya. I say, don't talk to me in English, Tigrinya or Amharic. Talk to me in. Now. Because she was a bit aware of the language, she was able to what? To understand me. The rest of you who doesn't know Arabic, what was it? It was nothing, yeah? The same thing when it comes to sin. If someone is abiding in sin, they can recognize the sin of others that easily. When I say recognize, I'm not just talking about, I'm not just talking about, oh, someone is sinning. No. We become part of it and we enjoy it. And we push it. But, when we are in the mercy and the presence of God, what do you do if you see the sin of your brother or your sister? First one is pray. Go to Jude chapter 1. What does he say? If there is someone who is wavering, what does he say? Hold him, fearing that you won't be spoiled. So if we sacrifice the will of God to that extent, how much do you guys think that we should sacrifice the things that we know definitely for sure are not the will of? I'll finish chapter 3 with this and we'll go to chapter 4. The last thing is we said that Isaac was not a baby when he was what? Sacrificed. Most scholars agree that he was 37. But let's be fair enough because it's not really easy to, 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 to make it a dogmatic, okay? But the range is... Isaac was anywhere between the early 20s and less than 37. 
Because their range is where? Early 20s? Less than what? So is it easy to throw away his father and go run away? Honor. That's called what? Honor. That was what we learned last time. What are the things that we honor in life? Your father and? Honor is not about what? I'm repeating because I want this to get instilled in our hearts. Honor is not about what? Whether it's right or wrong. It has nothing to do with it. Honor is all about authority. Honor is all about what? Authority. Isn't it surprising sometimes how foolish and selfish we are? If God can trust your parents, your parents with your life, who are you to say, what are you doing? Sometimes it really scares me. The God who created the whole universe, the God who created through his word, who could bring and do anything, trusted your parents, knowing their flaws with your life. And you come and say, God, <laughs> mom, shame on you. Shame on you. It's one thing to face your parents with a knowledge so that you can bring an agreement. It's another thing, completely different thing, dishonoring your parents. Repeat what I said last week, before two weeks. If any of us think that it will be well with us by dishonoring authority, try it, have fun with it. God is a God of principle. God is what? What did we say last time? We can't scratch the back of God so it will be well with us. It doesn't go that way. He's not a soft-hearted grandfather who forgives everything every time. It doesn't work that way. He's only the God that discloses himself, who he really is. If he doesn't disclose himself, who won't be able to know him? So do not dishonor authorities. The first authority that God gave you in your life as use are who? Your parents. Do they have mistakes? Oh, for sure, they're human beings. But do not dishonor them. If you remember last time, I gave you the format. The highest authority is who? God. And then we have? Your family, okay? Then you have church, and you have the state. If my parents are asking me to dishonor the highest authority, which is God, even if I disobey, I'm not dishonoring them. Because they are dishonoring already the highest authority. Okay? Honor always goes what? With authority. Don't forget that. The highest authority is what? God. I even gave you my example, if you remember. When I became a Christian following Christ, my father was not really happy about it. Okay? Shall I stop following Christ because he doesn't like it? The answer is what? No, because the authority is who? But here's my mistake. Because I came to know Christ, I left all about education and I was all about prayer and reading. Did I do the right thing? The answer is no. If you remember, this is what I told you. I didn't go 
and continue my education because I understood I needed education. I continued because I just wanted to honor. So disobedience, if it's for the word of God, that's a different thing. If it's for selfish reasons, oh yes, you're dishonoring. Chapter 4. So we talked about the God who made covenants, agreements. Those agreements are not humanly tailored. Who tailors the agreement? God. But God is not a God who only brings about agreements. He's also a God who legislates. What do you mean by legislation? What do you mean? He makes, he decrees what? Laws. Do you know why true Christians are not really welcomed in this world? Because it has to do a lot with this. Because our God is a God of what? Legislation. And what do true Christians do? They follow, keep, abide in those laws. And when we do that, what do people think? That we are narrow. Why are we doing this? Christians claim to, to obey this and that. They are so narrow. They don't want to be inclusive. Isn't that what we are told? Or we are also called sectarians. They love dividing. Oh, those guys keep those laws. Those guys don't keep those laws. Or heresy and orthodoxy. Oh, this teaching is orthodoxy. What does it mean? Okay. Or heresy. What do you mean by heresy? Heterodoxy. Means a mix of many teachings. So when it is heterodoxy, what do we say? That's heresy. When it is orthodoxy, it means following the very revelation that God gave. Traditionally, we abide in them. But people don't like it. Not only people. I'm quite sure some of you here don't even like it. I'm quite sure about that. I hate traditional Christianity. I hate the traditional aspects of Christianity. I have good news for you. Bad for you. God is always traditional. Too bad. God wouldn't change a bit because you feel discomfort with what he does, with what he say, with what his orders. Your loss. If you want to modernize Christianity, that ain't Christianity. Okay? I said no questions now. If you try to modernize Christianity, that ain't Christianity. Do you know our forefathers, they said one thing. If there is a teaching and it doesn't have a roots in our Tradition, which out of that teaching. Do you know why they say that? Are they because so entitled about the tradition? Is that what they are saying? No. They are saying our God is a God of revelation chronologically through time. So if I cannot attach it to the revelation that God gave in time, that the revelation is not a real revelation. Watch out. 
So if that's a problem to you, you have a problem with God, not with Christianity. Is God dogmatic? Is God dogmatic? The answer is yes. It means he differentiates between light and darkness, purity and filthiness, good and bad. Dogmatic means someone who is stubborn. He doesn't move. It's more than firm. He's not only firm. Firm is for a parent who is training his child. But God is not only firm. As much as he's loving, his anger in fire is kindling. As much as he is merciful, his patience has a limit where your existence will be a bare history. That's God. So some of us, I'll tell you frankly today, I don't beg anyone to be a Christian. I don't. Because it's God begging me to save me. We are not begging God to be our. It's not the reverse. Some of us, we act as if it is we begging God so for him to be our what? Our God. Please be my God. No. He is a God despite me and you. But he is pleading with us so that we could escape his judgment. So that we could escape. Let me challenge you a bit. What are we saved from? Have you ever thought about that? God is saving us from culture and laws. Would you please say it out loud? Hear this one. Do you know God is saving us from himself? We think that God is saving us from hell. No, 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 no. God is saving us from himself. I'll repeat again. God is not saving us from hell. God is not saving us from what? From hell. The primary thing God is doing, yes, we are saved from sin. Yes, we are saved from death. All those things are there. Primarily, God is saving us from? Chapter 5, Romans, what does it say? If we reconcile with God, now we, if we are righteous in Christ, now we have what? Peace with? Escaping from the wrath of God. When we say God is a God that legislates, it means God makes laws. And if there is laws, there is what? Reward and punishment. So God is saving us by giving us a gift, his Christ, so we can enjoy his reward, not his punishment. Have you ever seen someone does like that? Does the government give you something so that you won't be punished? No, it's all up to you. You follow the rule, you harvest the reward of the government, which is not being punished. If you don't, but God is saying, I don't want you to end up in my wrath. So here is Christ. Learn from him, and you'll be saved from my so, so sometimes we only see half nature of God and we think that he is the soft grandfather that 
we can always come and say to him what? Sorry. Do you know that even our sorry is only accepted in Christ anyway? Any, any other alternative doesn't work. If someone believes in God and doesn't believe in Christ and wants to have forgiveness in God, it doesn't work. <laughs> God only works in his own contract, in his own what? Agreement. The agreement that God gave to humanity is in Christ. So if we are in Christ, we will escape his wrath. If not, we will face it. And this is what he says in 1 Peter. How frightening is the day of the Lord. And it shall be revealed in what? In fire. So when we escape the wrath of God, immediately we will be able to escape what? Sin, power of sin and devil. Why? Because we have reconciliation with who? With God. Through that reconciliation, his spirit starts to abide in. And through that, we are able to walk in righteousness. Through that, we are able to walk in holiness. Through that, we are able to walk in the power of the truth. So if God is a God that legislates, it means he's purposely doing what? He's purposely divisive. He's purposely what? Divisive. At this time of age, what are we trying to do? We are trying to bring everybody together. Does it really work? Give me a way that everybody could work. I'll give you the things that you will listen once you go to the university. We don't need religion. Religion is so divisive. Okay? Every religion might have a bit of truth, but... It's so divisive. What's the point of having a religion? Wait, 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 wait. The person who is saying like that is claiming to have the what? The truth. So if anyone doesn't believe his own truth, what is he saying? I don't need you. Leave your religion there and come here. So he's being divisive. But the way he presents it, he's saying, no, I'm not being divisive. I'm all saying, let's come together and we'll be okay. No, no. All you're saying is, believe Leave your Christ, accept my Christ, because what we say is, all religions are what? Equal. They lead one way or the other to heaven. Isn't that what we say? So, because that is, if Christianity says it's only in Christ that salvation is, that's very divisive, that's very narrow, we don't need it. I have a question. The moment you say all religions are and we don't need all religion, but we just have to come. What are you doing? Are you, are, you, are you not putting a boundary? You're putting a boundary. Actually, your claim all to be false and only you to be what? True. But I would like to challenge you here. Do you know in the world, no philosopher, no psychologist, no historian, no politician has ever claimed by saying, I am, except I'll repeat it again. Throughout history of the earth, nobody, whether a psychologist or a philosopher or a religious leader or a historian okay, or a politician leader or a reality has ever claimed saying what? I am 
except Christ. It's only Christ boldly who claimed the most notorious kind of claims. He said, I am the truth. He didn't say, I have the truth. He said, what? I am the truth. Not I have the truth. I am the truth. I am the life. He didn't say, I have the life. And he said, I am the way. He didn't say, I know the way. But most religions, what do they do? The, the, the religious, those who start, go to him, uh, Buddhism. What does he say? Buddha. If you meditate, you will be enlightened and you will be able to find the goodness of life. Does he claim anything about the life? No. The only one who claimed about life is who? Christ. And with his claims, they tried to nullify him. What did Christ say? Is there anyone among you who could accuse me of any sin? And on the other side, he said, are you accusing me or are you trying to kill me because of the good things that I am? I'm doing. Because he was healing the sick. He was raising the dead. He was proclaiming the good news. He was sharing where there was nothing. He was the light where there was darkness. So whether we like it or not, in this world, there are always what? Boundaries. There are what? Boundaries. We can't escape that. The notion that we can be all together without religion doesn't really work. Okay, one of the arguments you will hear again in the universities would be, Europe is not religious at this time. Too secular. Okay? It's because now they are developed. Oh, is it only Europe that has developed? What about the US? Not developed? This is what's happening. Throughout history, there was no time where people could survive without religion. But at modern time, this is what's happening. People are either becoming too secular, nothing to do with what? Or they are becoming orthodoxy Christians on the other side. Which means very committed to what? Christianity. Do you know the politicians in the US now are afraid of the youth more than the adults? They are really scared of the youth. They are completely reformed Christians. That means they are completely given to it. And they are not only given because of emotional, they are also intellectual. So they can speak, they can stand, and they can confront. And they don't like it. When, in this, when we are in this world, there are always what? Boundaries. I'm bringing you all those examples to show you there is no a place where there is no boundary. There is always what? Boundary. When someone claims, I hate the traditional Christianity, what is he doing? Or what is she doing? Making a boundary. And creating their own boundary. If he cannot back up the boundaries that you're making through the word of God, it has nothing to do with Christianity. Nothing to do with Christianity. Christianity is not something we claim, oh, this is traditional, I don't like it. This is modern, I love it. 
This is inclusive. I enjoy it. It has nothing to do with it. The question is, does God say anything about? Through his word. If it, God doesn't say anything through the word, then that's your religion, not the religion that we are talking about, Christ. So when God gives legislation, laws, he's making boundary, and we cannot destroy that boundary. We can choose to create our own, but we cannot change it. Because he is the one who gives what? The laws. He's the one who makes that. Because of this, Christianity is seen as what? Narrow, marginalized, arrogant, divisive, manipulative. All those words are there. I would like someone to bring me a fact in this world where anything that we do is not manipulative or divisive. Because of technology, there are the poor is getting poorer and the rich is getting richer. Oh, because it's divisive. Let's throw away all technology. We don't need it. Would you please say this to me? I have underlined it. You can see it there. The third paragraph. In a finite world, there are unavoidable what? Boundaries. You cannot avoid boundaries. So it's impossible to be entirely what? Open. God is a God of legislation. He makes his own laws. If we are, he's making his own laws, he has his own boundaries. Freedom by itself is not open-ended. If I want to play basketball, just because I love basketball, can I just go and do it? No. I'm not talking about a basketball where you go and buy yourself and play. I'm talking about the game. Be part of the game. You need to have, basically it means you have to fulfill the rules and regulation of what? Basketball. Can, can I go with the ball and run around in a basketball? No. I have a rule. I can only move one step back or in any direction. That's a rule. If I don't comply with that rule, am I free to play basketball? No. My freedom in playing basketball has to do with the rules of the basketball. So, freedom is only, freedom only works in the liberty of the laws that is given to you. Okay? If someone is freely going to play basketball, they should know the laws of what? Basketball. If someone is going to worship, honor, and be free in God, then they should know the requirements and the laws of what God is requiring. We cannot make our own gods and call it Christianity. It's not our game. <laughs> it's not our game. Christianity is the game of who? God. As basketball is the game of? You know where basketball started? Canada. Exactly where? Nova Scotia. Okay? So that's where the beginning of the law came. Then it got improved with the coming. So in all this, I want you to remember one thing. Our freedom is related with the law given to us. 
if Christianity has to do with God, we can't have Christianity by avoiding the laws that God has already given. We can't do that. Because God is a God that what? Legislates. Is that clear? Okay. If that's clear, then I would like to go to the things that God legislated. What are the things God did? Do you know in the Old Testament, God gave more than 613 laws. How many laws? 613. Among those laws are the ones that we call the Ten Commandments. But not only that, He also gave rituals that they should follow, the Israelites. And one of those rituals is the seven feasts of Israel. Throughout the year, Israel has how many feasts? Seven. It's not in your paper. I'm just telling you. Okay? The other ritual that God gave was the tabernacle. Okay? It was what? The tabernacle. How the tabernacle should be built, what should be done in the tabernacle, all those things are there. Can you connect all those things to God now? God gave 613 laws. Most of the laws has to do with what people has to do with each other. Most of the law has to do the relationship between each other. The Israelites, what they have to do. But he also gave the ten commandments. He also gave the seven feasts. He also gave the tabernacle. Can any Israelite come to God and claim that I am in fellowship with God by avoiding all this? Can he avoid all those things and claim I'm an Israelite? The answer is what? No. Because when God made a covenant with Abraham, he renewed that covenant in the Mount Sinai with who? With the whole Israelites after they came out of what? Egypt. And in that agreement, there is a difference. When God made an agreement, when God made an agreement with Abraham, it was based on promises. He promised them. But when God made an agreement with Israel, it has to do with laws. Israel can be a nation that God rules only with those laws. If Israel doesn't want to do anything with the tabernacle, with the Ten Commandments, generally with the 613 laws, will Israel be what God shows her to be? No. Now I'm trying to show you the whole picture. Why was Israel being punished in the Old Testament? Have you, have, have you checked? Why was Israel punished? The moment they disobey any of the laws, what did, what did God tell them? I will disperse you to the, to the enemies. And you shall be? They are slaves. Or he said, I will scatter you among the unknown nations. Why is he doing that? Until they realize they need who? By doing what? His laws and rituals. All this is to get into one point. We can't have a fellowship, a relationship with God the way we want, the way we want it to be. We can't do that. The only relationship we can maintain with God is by what? Through what He gives to us. What did He give in the Old Testament? 
his laws, rituals, and the tabernacle. What did he give us in the New Testament? Christ and his teachings. That's why it says, we are laid on the foundation of what? The apostles and the prophets. So if we destroy the teachings of the apostles and the prophets, and we claim to, have to be Christians, are we really there? So God is a God of tradition. God is a God of what? But not the tradition of man. His own tradition. God is a God of tradition, but not the tradition of who? Man. He has his own tradition. In the Old Testament, if anyone wants to come to God, they should sacrifice. That's his tradition. This is an old thing. We can't do that. I'm not sacrificing. Basically, you're not coming in front of God. What about in the New Testament? I'm not believing in this man called Christ who died 2,000 years ago. What is his blood going to do for me? This is nonsense. Then you're not going to have any reconciliation with God. That's his tradition. Does that make sense? I would like to show you two important points that are very relevant to each and every one of you. Who called Abraham? God. Isn't it weird that he told him your descendants are going to Egypt and they will be slaves for 400 years? It's weird because most of the time we think if I'm with God, everything should be what? Good. Everything should be what? Smooth. No hiccups. But it's surprising. Abraham came to God and the first thing he told him is what? Your descendants are going to be what? When he brought the sacrifice, isn't that what he told him? He told him, I'll make you a big nation. He told him, I'll make you a blessing to all the families of the world. But to start, what did he say? Your descendants will go to Egypt and they shall be slaves for 400. Then I'll bring them out of Egypt. Wait, 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 wait. Even when you follow God, you end up being a slave. What does that show us? God is not a God of, touch me on my back and I'll, it doesn't work that way. God is a God of his own beatings and doings. So to see it humanly speaking, that, that ain't fair. That doesn't look fair. Why would someone who obeyed God in sacrificing his child, that his descendants will be slaves for 100? That's crazy. But what did he tell him? He told him, until the sins of the Amalekites. Hey, now he's talking about the reasons. The Cushites and all the tribes where those who were living in the promised land. Until the cup of their sin is filled, they will be slaves. Once the cup of the sin is filled, I'll wipe them out and I'll bring your descendants to the promised land. God of forbearance. He was forbearing everybody. He chose Israel, but at the same time, he was giving chance for the other tribes to be what? Repent. 
in giving chances the other tribes, he was not impartial when it comes to the people he chose. But once their cup of sin was full, what did he tell them? Go, he brought them out. Who was the mediator? Moses. And isn't this what we say most of the time? What did Moses say when God chose him to bring out Israel out of Egypt? Let's go to page 41. Let's see them one by one. At the last page of 41. Okay? The first thing he said in Exodus chapter 3 verse 11 is what? Who? What, what did God answer to him? It's not about you. It's about me. Isn't that what we say? Who am I, Lord? It's not still about. When God chooses, when God says something, it's all about. Because I'm with you, that's why I'm sending you. It's not because you're special. You're not. If God tomorrow gives you the favor and the mercy to minister him, I beg you and I beg you, don't think it's because you're better than the one on the right or on the left. It has nothing to do with you. KB is standing here and teaching. Is it because I'm better than you guys? God forbid it. God forbid it. No. No. You, you might say, but you know the Bible better. You just need time. You will know it soon. I'm ministering here just because God is. Can you finish the sentence? God is with me. It's not about me. It's just because God is with me. So what did Moses say? Who am I? I didn't even, God didn't even ask him about who he is. But what, what is he saying? He's answering to a question that God didn't even. Isn't that what we do? <laughs> And then when God answered that, I'm with you, here we go. He goes the second complaint. What is he saying again? When I go there, the Israelites are going to ask me, what's his name? Basically, he's telling him, I don't know you. I can't be your messenger. What is he telling him? I don't know you. I can't be your messenger. What did God say? I love this answer. What did God say? I am who I am. Basically, he's telling him two things. One, you don't need to know me to serve me because I'm always there. Your not knowing me doesn't nullify who I am. You don't know me. It doesn't cancel me out as if I'm not there. He's always I am. He's not I was, he is not, I will be. He is always, I am. So, if some of you are saying, I don't really know God, the problem is not God. The problem is not, he is always, I am. It means he is always available. 
is always what? Available. That's why the Bible says, to those who seek the Lord, he is, who can finish that sentence? To those who seek the Lord, he is available. He is available. So if someone tells me, I don't know really God, that shows me who you are, not God. Ah. If someone tells me, I don't know God, that doesn't say anything about God. That tells me about you. You're not really looking God with all your heart. And you're blaming God that you don't know God. So when you tell me you don't know God, all that tells me is you have a stubborn heart. Because God is what? Available. But do you see what he's telling him? Moses, you didn't know me because you didn't. Take me. I'm always there. That's one part. But on the other part, he's telling him, you don't know to define me, to know me. I'll explain to you who I am. Okay. If, no, this is, this is too simple. Okay, if I bring a laptop, all of you know it's a laptop, yeah? What about if I bring someone from the Amazon forest who have never seen a laptop and show him a laptop? Will he say it's a laptop? He will give it his own what? Yeah, he'll, he'll give it his own name. He will describe it in his own terms. It might not be true, but he will describe it. Okay, I'll give you an example that really happened in Eritrea. Okay. This is a long time ago when the Italians came to Eritrea to colonize it. All of us now, we know bicycles, yeah? But at that time, there were no what? Bicycles. So when they first saw bicycles, do you know what they said? It's the devil's cart. <laughs> they called it what? Arabia Seitan. No! Wait, 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 wait. Is it really the devil's cart? They described it that way. Do you know why? Most of the time, they hear the those who ride the bicycle at night when the sun sets, it's dark. And most of the time, they are drunk, those who are riding it, because they were soldiers of the, uh, the Italians. They were drunk. So when they go, they are making a lot of noises, and they are driving, going left and right, making all those nonsense noise. And what would they think? Oh, Satan is coming. He's passing by. <laughs> bicycle. So, it's a bicycle, but what do they call it? The devil's cart. Now, Moses saw a fire that doesn't consume what? The bush. If he goes to Israel and asks them, and the Israelites ask him, what kind of God did he see? What would he say? A fire that, that, that doesn't consume a bush. That's what he's going to say. But is that God? No, that's not God. So he is telling him, you don't have to define me. I will tell you who I am. If you really need to know God, just be available for he is available. And if you really want to know who he is, you don't have to put levels on him. He will tell you who he is.
through his word. Take time and go to his word. The third one. Do you know all those questions are the questions that we always say. It's not only Moses. In one or the other time, we all say the same thing. The third question. What if they do not believe me or listen to me or even say the Lord did not appear to you? Now, God has told him, my name is I Am. Isn't that... That's amazing. God saying, God giving a name for it for himself. I am. And after that, he's telling him, but they're not going to believe me. The name is not enough. I need something more. Isn't it surprising? God doesn't give you out of the blue something to make other people believe. He doesn't. What did I say? God doesn't give you something out of the blue so that others can believe you. What did he say to him? What do you have in your hand? He told him what? I have a stick. Just throw it. Let's see what happens. And then he said, what else do you have? He said, I have my hand. Put it in your Did God use something that wasn't there or did God use something that was already there? If I am medium height, God is not going to make me tall so that others would believe. He wouldn't. He would use me as I, as I, same thing with everybody. Some people think when God's anointing comes, you'll be very, someone who spoke in a different, no, no, it doesn't work that way. God uses as the way, the way, the way, that's it. That's why most of the time what we do is we see preachers and other ministers and we imitate them. Have mercy, Lord. You're not that person. The moment you try to imitate, because what you are imitating is not yours, God is not going to use that because it's not you. God doesn't use copycats. He uses originals. God uses what? Original. And each and every one of us are what? Each and every one of us are what? Originals. If God wants to use you, He will use you as you are. He wouldn't change a bit about you. Some people are very funny by nature. And when they become Christians, they want to be decent, not saying anything. That is not going to work. It won't. Some people were very stern and quiet when they come to Christ. And people think they are too judgmental, so they want to be very inclusive. You're just making your life difficult. It doesn't work that way. Just be you. You. Just be who? As I am. If God has given you humor, God will use that humor for his glory. If God has given you a stern kind of life, go with it. God will use that one. 
How many of you have prayed, God, change my voice. I want to be in choir. It doesn't work. If your voice is not working, you're not a choir member. Out! You don't belong there. You don't. Why are you trying to be someone else? If God didn't give you, he didn't give you. Out! I can't tell you how much I love to worship. I wish I had a voice. I don't. I don't. That tells me I'm not a member of. I would enjoy it with them, but I'm not a member of them. Some of you are very good writers. Very good writers. Some of you are very good organizers. Be yourselves. You don't know what God would do with that. You don't know what God would do with that. Some of you are amazing preachers. And those preachers, they want to be teachers. Those teachers, they want to be prophets. Forget it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. God uses what you have. So if God is going to use you, don't say, what is God going to use me? Just see what you have. Isn't that very simple? All right. What's the next excuse? <laughs> this is, I, I bet quite a lot of you do this one. I'm not a public speaker. I'm not what? How many of you will be bold to come up here and say something? Do you know most of us would say, hey, I can't do that. In front of all the people, I, I can't do that. Just be yourself. If it's only smile that you can share, just smile and say thank you and go back. Yeah. You see, when we think of coming in front of people, what we think is eloquency. But did God say, I will work through your eloquency? God tells you, go. What do you do? You simply go. Is he going to use your smile or your wave or your speech or your song? It's up to him. It's up to him. What did, what did God told him when he said, I'm not a public speaker? Look at it. He told him, I'll help you, and then I'll teach you. What did he say? I'll help you, and then I'll teach you. Basically, he's telling him, I am the source. Just remember that. And I know what I'm doing. It's not all about sin. We always make it about ourselves, and God is always saying it's not all about. How many of us are we saying, I can't do this ministry, I can't do this service, I can't do this worship, I can't do this and I can't do that. It's not about, it's not about. God doesn't throw anything. People can say hip-hop is demonic or this or that. God is not like that. The only thing God says is, you can't take me to others' tradition and culture. But whatever you bring, sanctify it. Come, let's use it. 
And I'll show you what I can do with it. Some of you might be artists. And you don't really care about your talent. You're a good artist, but you don't really care. Do you know in church history, in church history, some of the most amazing people who convinced kingdoms were artists, not preachers? They were artists. They drew the cross where people could not preach the cross. That picture was a preaching day in and day out. And they wrote memorable words in artistic way. And it was written in the hearts of the people. God uses what you With what you have, then he backs you up with his spirit. Now, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is manifested through you and what you have. You know, some, sometimes when we, when we see praying for a sick people, someone is, some, someone is hitting someone, do you know what we do? Like, do you know who did that? John G. Lake or Smith Wiggly's words. If someone was sick, he never laid his hand. He would punch them out. And a lot of people seeing that, they wanted to imitate and they went and punching people. It wouldn't work. Timmy's Wiggly's words was like that because he really hated to the core when people suffered. It was not, it was, it was not an expression of the, 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 the power of God. It was his expression of hatred. And God used it. So, if I'm not aggressive in life, I can't try to be aggressive when I have the Holy Spirit. What is that? In the other one, there was John Knox, who always was calm. Who always was calm. He loved to kneel down. Because he loved. So when he knelt down, people would get saved. People would get healed without a word. His name was John Knox in England, Scotland. God will use you as you are. It doesn't seem I'm going to finish, so... Okay, we'll continue with the Ten Commandments next time. I'll allow five minutes question, then I'll give it to you guys.